On this episode, we'll take a brief look back at some of our listener favorites from the past year, diving deep into the archive to revisit a few great conversations. Before we jump in, I wanna personally thank all the listeners who've gotten to know this year. Our audience has grown quite a bit and we're really glad to be receiving such positive feedback. If you haven't already, please support the show by subscribing to Transforming Cities, liking or starring the podcast, and even leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts. There aren't too many urban-related podcasts out there, so every little listener nudge helps. A quick reminder for you too to be thinking about over the holidays. If you have a new guest and want to send over your ideas, please share the who and why of your idea by reaching out to podcast at authenticff.com. All right, so before I jump in, I want to quickly share a little bit more about our company, Authentic Form and Function. Let me give you a little bit of a background about how we help our urban partners. At its core, Authentic is a digital design and development firm, meaning we focus on strategic websites and apps for the urban and real estate industries. This includes developers, architects, planners, startups, and more. Now, depending on your line of work, you may be interested in our Amplify platform, which is a CRE-specific marketing powerhouse, as we call it. It's our first foray into product, blending the high touch you'd expect from an experienced agency with more of a modular and time-sensitive approach to website build-out. With Amplify, you can go further and expect more than a Squarespace website, but take a step back from the $50,000 agency website. We think Amplify is perfect for promoting projects as they're just breaking ground, all the way through lease-up and even long-term use. For more information about our products and services, please visit AuthenticFF.com to learn more. Over the past year, I've welcomed some incredible guests. On this episode, I want to highlight three guests in particular you can learn more about by revisiting their specific episodes. The first clip comes from Antoinette Marie Johnson, founder of Cohere. Cohere is a creative agency that focuses on thoughtful storytelling and placemaking. They aim to put people and the planet first in real estate, food and bev, and hospitality. Here's what she had to say. I think information design is a constant changing element amongst how our mediums and channels shift, right? So I related it to a website or signage design. Mapping is just one form of that information design. Mm. And when it comes to careers, the whole reason I love coming on podcasts like this and sharing is because you don't really know you're designing your career until pretty much hindsight occurs. And you're 10 years out. And, you know, Malcolm Gladwell always says that you become an expert at 10,000 hours. I think I did the math once in 10,000 hours. It breaks down to, I think, like seven or eight years. So it takes about seven or eight years to become a quote-unquote expert in what you're doing. And my road in particular was that first realization that urban transformation is something I want to be a part of, then dialing in and going all in on Philadelphia and being a part of that change with investing in uh, neighborhood change in South Philly and some very interesting stories there. And then really going back and saying, okay, mapping's great, urban development and neighborhood, let's say community involvement is amazing and this is all what I wanna be doing. The truth is mapping isn't really profitable. So the joke was on my mom when I (laughs) taught myself logo design and web design and created an agency, which 
was far more profitable. Yeah. <laughs> and decided to have that agency kind of really be focused on urban transformation and redevelopment. And that agency, correct me if I'm wrong, was called At Media. Correct. Is that, is that right? So yeah. that was sort of the original agency model for you after school. Yeah. And, and it, it since has disbanded from its original form back in 2013, if that's right. Right. How did that experience shape you as, a, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as someone who was, you know, obviously on that trajectory of those 10,000 hours at that time? Yeah, the at media for me was a chance to build a company on something I wasn't quite sure I wanted to sort of build an agency. It was accidental. I was getting a lot of freelance work and the mapping gigs that I was getting were great. I actually was a part of the team that first developed the the Street View product for Google, mm. which was wild and yeah. super cool wow. and cutting edge. But even Google figured out, well, people aren't going to pay for maps. They just yeah. kind of expect it, yeah. <laughs> which is a really crazy yeah. ride. It's to an be. amenity right now. Exactly. Uh, an, an internet-based amenity. And you really can't even figure out ways right now to totally monetize it, even for ways. But thankfully, you know, I built at Media with a former partner of mine, and we were able to build enough demand for logos and websites and content so that I could quit my full-time job. And we didn't know at the time that we wanted to be centered around anything in particular. We just loved making flyers for music and doing everything we could to get good work. And, you know, they all were a little bit centralized to Philadelphia. And I leaned into what I know best, which is real estate development, neighborhood development, community involvement. And lo and behold, later that we just went our separate ways. And I think how it shaped me has been that when you feel in your gut that something's not right, with any relationship and you're you know really trying to put your finger on it like what's not right here what's not right here for me in my business and personal life my partner was just not being honest about who he was mm. and it affected the business and of course us personally sure and thankfully i was able to catch that relatively early and regrouped and rebuilt the team. And the team was amazing. We had about five people at the time. And now those people are core leaders. And we've built an amazing new business called Cohere that's centered around urban revitalization and projects that are really involved with placemaking and making, we hope, cities uh, help reach their full potential. Next up, we'll revisit Tim Gockman, director at Newland Enterprises. Tim and his team are currently working on building the largest timber structure in North America. It's called Ascent, and it's currently underway in Milwaukee. Tim is an expert in the field, and he shared his knowledge with excitement. I uh, found this um, group that did real estate advisory, mergers and acquisitions, and they were opening up an office in Chicago, but they were headquartered in Detroit. So I got to spend some time in Detroit and in Southfield. And uh, I didn't, I didn't love it. I didn't enjoy the work. It wasn't creative enough, and I certainly did not enjoy the suburban Detroit experience. Mm. And I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. There was a director at that company 
who gave me a really interesting piece of advice because I'd been there for a short time. And um, he said, you know, I had worked with my dad for, I want to say it was about two decades. And he said, and he passed away. And he goes, my biggest regret was that I didn't start working with him sooner. So if you have the type of relationship where you can work with your father and enjoy it, just go do it. It's the most unique thing in the world. Wow, that's really interesting. Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. And so, you know, before that, I was I was considering going to LA. That's where my best friend was at the time, and my dad uh, gave me gave me a sales pitch, which he's very good at. But uh, he basically said, you know, come come try Milwaukee. Come try it for a summer. Worst case scenario, you don't like it. Pretend like you just graduated again and and go get a job. And so, what was your uh, what was your dad's pitch? I have to imagine that was that was something else. Give us like the the spiel. What did he What did he come with you come to you with? It was you know it was basically um, it was basically that whatever's making you unhappy right now, you're going to keep being unhappy with because who's going to give you a real chance? And what kind of real work are you going to go do working for a larger firm? And he goes, and with me, you have the opportunity to come and do you know crazier things and take on more responsibility and and really run kind of your own divisions and my response was at the time what am i going to do with your tiny company and you know what am i going to do in milwaukee which has no prospects and no growth and that was kind of the conversation and so ultimately i i i get i'm very very close with my parents i'm an only child my parents were 20 years old when i was born so that age gap is little uh, we have a very very unique relationship so I thought about it and, and my mom was apparently in the background, my mom was putting a lot of pressure on my dad too, basically saying, you know, why did we travel halfway across the world to move to this country to raise our kids to watch him move halfway across the country? What's yeah. the point? Yeah, fair enough. And I, so, and I, and I yeah. imagine in your, uh, in your contract with your dad, you probably said, and no more late night letter writing that I have to do for you or something like that. <laughs> uh, there was no contract. I did not put that in. I can definitely tell you there's still late night letter writing. Uh, um, but he did, he did make me start without salary for the first two weeks. Oh, really? Uh, he said that, I mean, it's true, right? He said, you don't know what you're doing. And uh, so you need to shadow me for two weeks to figure out at least something. He goes, so that's your, that's your training. That's your unpaid internship. So that was my first two weeks. Uh, and then, and then I got to start, and the start was crazy. I mean, it was at that time Newland didn't have a property management arm, no property management software, nothing, and we're building this project, which is one of the largest projects, new construction multifamily projects to have them built in the city of Milwaukee, uh, 217 unit, uh, block and a half, almost two block large site that was built in three phases, and we're finishing the first phase, and you know I join and. So I, I started June 1st, the building was delivered October. Oh, wow. And there's, there's nothing, there's no, there's no software, there's, there's no protocols, there's zero. And my job was to lease this thing up. So that was my trial by fire start into, into New Land Enterprises. Finally, let's peer back into our interview with Andrew Howard, co-founder and director of Team Better Block. Andrew's tenacity around placemaking with a purpose was evident in his episode. I think one of the the, the quotes that we kind of knew from the very beginning there was from Warren Buffett when he said, "There's there's innovators, there's imitators, and then there's idiots." <laughs> and, you know, we we were definitely innovators, and we started seeing some folks that were were imitating our process, and you know, I think. Well, that motivated us to like, all right, we really got to figure out like 
the nuts and bolts of why these temporary demonstration projects are are important. Chris, we did a lot of stuff wrong beginning with we I had some great clients because I'd been in the business for a while and they trusted us with projects and and you know I think we always learned something from them. But you know, some of those early ones, we kind of like we packed up our truck, you know, like a big like U-Haul full of lights and chairs and and cafe tables and and we went and we we kind of spaceship landed in San Antonio or Wichita, Kansas or one of these places and we set up the better block. Mm. And, uh, you know, it just didn't feel the same as that first one that we did, you know, together as a community. And um, we started to slowly realize that it was, it's not just making the place, but it's how you make it. And that people want, need to be involved in the creation of place. And that's where all the, the unique identity, that's where all the authenticity comes from, that's where the community ownership of the process comes from, is the physical act of, of making together. So we stick with that now. We, uh, we put more effort and time into kind of the social capital piece of it and uh, always having the best looking piece of, uh, you know, the best photo maybe of, of a place. Mm. And, you know, one of the, one of the, quotes and ideologies you shared with me, um, references and, and, and insistence on the virtues of smallness, which I, which I really liked. And it sounds like what you're saying is rather than stamping out quote unquote, better blocks everywhere that are maybe the same, it's, it's really more of a collaborative process with the community. Yeah. You know, I, we used to count, you know, we have a little hand clicker and we count like how many people came to the better block or, um, you know, after it happened, we would want to define, you know, like, all right, what they make permanent. And those things are important. Uh, we, we want to see change happen. But what we started realizing when we were doing these away from our own city as consultants, guides, you know, for these in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, or, you know, Seattle, Washington, or Fresno, or wherever we were, that we couldn't be there to push them forward. And so, the best act we could do was to empower a local to be an advocate. And that little small time that we would spend with them and empowering them to do it would last longer. So we now count how many advocates do we make afterwards yeah. and uh, how many people have stayed engaged and used the Better Block as a, a point in time to get back to someday and have, and have continually shown up at city council meetings. Some of them have become some of the past better block volunteers have become council members, have become planning commissioners, have started their own nonprofits, have quit their job at Applebee's and started their own restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> and so those are the ones that really, you know, I, I, I think we judge our success by more as, you know, did we change people's lives? Are they now a voice for this kind of stuff in their own city? From our entire team at Authentic Form and Function, we wish you a safe and happy holiday season. We'll see you again in 2020 for more episodes, fresh banter, and hopefully quite a few laughs as we share the stories from across the urban landscape. <laughs>